All right, everyone, welcome back. This is Bald Bull and Gold. Somehow, someway, we are already at the midpoint of the Irish season. Week six, we'll get into the Irish's win over Duke. Um, obviously, not the way we wanted everything to go, but a win's a win. Uh, we'll get into everything that went on around the country, get into our picks at the end. But first, I'd like to announce the appearance of yet another special guest, Andrew Zabek. Andrew, for our fans who may or may not know who you are, just quick intro, who you are, background with Notre Dame football, and any other fun facts. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you, boys, for having me. I'm very excited to be here. been a long-time fan. Um, yeah, my, my history with Notre Dame football pretty much sums up everything else about me. Um, started my Notre Dame career at the 05 Bush Bush game, and I've been an addict ever since. Um, you know, kind of addicted to the pain at this point, but we persevere, and uh, hopefully we have a nice little podcast tonight. Well said. Absolutely. All right, so let, let's might as well just get into it. So around the country, I think this was, you know, another beautiful fall Saturday. Thankfully, it's October. You know, September, it's especially this year, I, I feel like the biggest non-conference matchup out like around the country with playoff implications was our game against Ohio State. There wasn't many other games out there with a big against big feel. Now, I will say there was, there was one game I would have loved to see got canceled because of conference realignment would have been Michigan-Washington. Um, but, you know, coming into October, I'm really excited just because over the next four weeks, I think we'll really start to see the college football landscape take shape because right now I feel like we still don't know much. Yeah, there's been a lot of chatter, um, and like a lot of a lot of top college football people have been saying this is like we thought there would be a lot more parity this year, but that hasn't led to major upsets yet. What we do know is that the top tier has kind of shrunk and come back together. That's kind of the consensus of what I've been hearing is like the absence of a, absence of a quarterback at Bama, potentially the absence of a quarterback at Georgia. I think that's still up in the air just kind of brings the top back together, but we're still waiting for kind of that massive upset that we haven't seen yet, which we almost got uh, at Jordan Hare on Saturday. But. I was going to say, we got close to Jordan Hare, but Brock Bowers had other ideas. That <laughs> he is, I know that we, and I will forever stand from that tops and talk about how good Michael Mayer was and how, you know, the fact that he wasn't on that, on the tight as the Mackey award, he wasn't on the tight end watch list was just like, or the finalist was just insane to me. Um, but Brock Bowers proof why he's by far the best tight end in the country, man. He is, he's unbelievable. That, that game, that, that was a, that was a fun three, that was a fun appetizer to our game in the three thirty slate. Cause Kansas and Texas was not that. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, it was one of those games we had the end of the USC, um, Colorado game on, which, you know, that was fun. It's once again, the Colorado story continues to, if nothing else, intrigue us. They can put up a lot of points. USC's defense still porous, uh, you know, gives us at least optimism for that game. But we don't have to talk about Colorado as much. Back to Jordan Harris, you know, this isn't the Georgia of the last two years. They struggle to move the ball at times. Their defense isn't as intimidating. One thing that I thought was really interesting is, you know, they've been able to just punish teams at the line of scrimmage. Auburn was able to run the ball. They ran the ball 43 times and stayed in that game until the end. Now, obviously, you know, they're kind of hamstrung on offense, but, you know, they, they hung in there by, you know, kind of doing what Georgia does to teams and being physical up front. In that game, I will say, I, I watched a good chunk of that game. I was pleasantly surprised with Peyton Thorne. I don't think that, like, he should necessarily be in a Heisman race or whatever. And, and, Mm -hmm. But in an SEC West that's devoid of of some of some actual real arm talent, especially now that Connor Wigman's down, right? 
like I think Peyton Thorne is a little salty, and he may have Auburn hanging in some games longer than they may otherwise should have been, which is what you can really ask for from them at this point. He's not bad. Going back to like Donna, your original question of like we don't know much. What we do have a little bit is like the Missouris of the world playing well, um, mm -hmm. the Maryland's of the world playing well, um, just kind of schools that have like theoretically could actually be pretty decent, not stumbling in the non-conference um, and makes conference play a little more interesting. And where I do think like if Missouri is actually for real, like things could get interesting in the SEC, not for them to, to be actually competitors, but knock off a couple of the big dogs along the way. Yeah, I think another team yeah, think, that's kind of, or sorry, <laughs> I think another team on that on that uh, on that note is Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky could be exciting yeah. after what they did to Florida. Florida already has competed against the Utah team that we don't know much about, but has a very good defense. Um, Tennessee game was impressive. Kentucky really just owned them from start to finish of that game. Seeing them as 14 and a half point dogs at Georgia this week, I think we could find out a lot about, like you said, Ian, those teams that aren't necessarily considered to be the top tier, but are the teams that are sneaking around undefeated right now and could jump into that, you know, top 10, top 15 uh, with a couple more marquee wins. Yeah, Kentucky's a good shout because mm -hmm. I texted you guys. I was like, Kentucky looks mean. And I say that because Florida is bad because of Graham Mertz, you know, and, and like. <laughs> some other issues, but they still get guys in the trenches and Kentucky yeah. seemed to push them around, which I was not expecting. Yeah. And, and I think it's very funny that like, I think Ray Davis is, is really good. Like, yes, Kentucky's offensive line dominated, but I think he rushed or they, or they as a team rushed for over 270 yards. Mm -hmm. That's not nothing. And Ray Davis is a really good back. I think it's kind of funny how they ended up bringing him to Lexington. He was actually at Vanderbilt and Vandy beat UK last year. And Stoops said, you know what? <laughs> Why don't you come play for me? So that was uh that was that's a, that was an interesting take, but I, I like I like Ray Davis a lot. I'm a little surprised with the way that two games played it out, played after the game that that game so over two touchdowns from a spread standpoint. Um, realistically, like you know, when we're recording next Monday or Tuesday, that might end up being the right number. Um, mm -hmm. But I was just a little surprised that and maybe this will change as the week goes on. Right, we're recording Monday night, um, and, and the public will more react to those numbers as the week goes on. But I was a little surprised it opened over over two touchdowns. Yeah, because this is a Georgia team that hasn't been blowing people out, and a Kentucky team that has really looked good. And they got a new OC back after you know kind of botching things last year when they had Will Levis. But you know it'll be interesting. Like the SEC, if nothing else, like, you know we they don't have the elite teams. Georgia, Bama, both down. But like you said, Missouri, another impressive win. Luther Burden's a dog, and we'll find out what happens when that they. Uh, I think LSU comes to Missouri, right? Yes, mm -hmm. uh, it's on. It's on the slate. It's on our slate later this week. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll touch on it. Or, it's on this. Yeah. LSU is washed, dude. They are washed. They're they're they, just not a good football team. They can't defend anybody. Oh my god, we so can I think the, put a twenty-one. Us, us, us is four as a receiving core could go out there and get could get a combined three hundred yards. <laughs> and I'm not very fast. <laughs> and we heard another Brian Kelly uh, masterclass in the post game conference. Post game press conference. I, I talking about all those. Yeah. He's talking about all his inexperienced experienced players and he's like we're not gonna have anyone else walking through the door we're running out there with these unexperienced guys and then saw a tweet with the depth chart and it's senior senior junior they're not, sophomore junior yeah. like they're not inexperienced they're not young 
everyone is dealing with freshmen like, and sophomores on the field. And yeah, I, I do think excuse. I don't know why I'm defending Brian Kelly here. I think that's probably taken out of context, and that was for the back end, like secondary, which has been kind of. I, I also don't. They've been wiped out. They they're playing with some injuries, but like you're you're spot on, Ian. You're you're spot on, Ian. And I think that his recruiting is going to take a bit to catch up. However, I do think it's also a lot of guys that have transferred portal. Like yeah, he, he, you know, he's not that young. It's it may be an experience thing, but they're really not that young. Like they did the guys that they bought in may not have seen a ton of playing time, but oh boy. Um, but yeah, <laughs> Danny Jones just got sacked. Uh, yeah, I think it's more it's a transfer portal thing that goes along with that. But it, it's crazy that it, even if it is taken out of context, you think somebody like Harold Perkins, who should probably be a first round pick, it, yeah, it, you just like continuously feels like he's being misutilized. Am I wrong, Pete? No, that's exactly right. You know, he's a pass rusher, you know, explosive type player. They're dropping in the coverage and stuff like that, and like making him yeah. do normal run fits. Yeah, I, I have kind of problems with the way we use our linebackers at times. They are totally mismanaging. Harold Perkins, like that, that's a guy who's a different level of, that, of athlete that you just have to turn loose. Yeah. Um, I will say my, one of my favorite things about that game was Ole Miss has a running back named Ulysses Bentley the fourth. Yeah, that guy awesome. runs hard. That's he awesome. runs hard. He gets fired up after every play, just mm-hmm. like running over to the student section, everything pounding his chest after an eleven yard gain. Like uh, Yeah, I, I bet I, I bet game. good times were had in Oxford, Mississippi on Saturday night. I would agree with that. Um, and then uh, the only other thing too is, and and Ian, you and I were talking with Sean about this. Is like we're going to get to a point the next few weeks where we need undefeated teams to also start getting one loss, and it's yeah. one that was going to happen anyways. It was probably should have happened a few weeks ago, but we did get Utah to go down, well, right? And and, mm-hmm. and that is something that's that's probably that's a one loss team. I'm very confident we're better than right, and and that's that's good, right? You have the better loss, you're a better team than them. And more will fall over the coming weeks. Like, yeah, you know, is North Carolina still undefeated? They yeah, are. So, they are. So yeah. North Carolina will go at some point if we're if you know things break our way. Like Florida State could go too, right? Like we'll we'll get to Duke, but that's a good football team, man. Do yeah. I think we should have won by more? Yeah, but like there's a, there's like there's a the ACC could could kind of could probably won't come out on skates, and I know the Pac-12 won't either. So start knocking off some of, this, some of these undefeated Utah's teams. Utah's gonna get. One of the big three in the Pac-12, they'll get one of them. Yeah, once Cam Rising's yeah. back, mm-hmm. if he comes back, once he's back, they look they look a lot different. They have to. Yeah. Uh, but they're not going to get, you know, relief for looking as shitty as they have up to this point. Yeah, you know, like they're done. Mm-hmm. Utah's no. Utah's cooked. Hopefully, they can help us out along the way. Yeah, I don't think they can win out. I mean, their defense is going to keep them in every game. And it's really important to have a defense that keeps you in every game. But, like, are they going to be able to score with USC? Are they going to be able to score with Oregon, who actually has a defense who can compete? Yeah, I agree that I think hopefully, and I do think that they can they can squeak out a low-scoring win against one of these teams. But, um, like, it's they, hard they to play. Can... Do, I want to pull up Utah's schedule. It's hard to play in Salt Lake City, at, like, at night when that R- happens. Rice, I can, Rice Eagles is a tough place to play, man. Do they have uh, elevation there? Is that one of those elevations? Yeah, it is are? a big. It's, it's up there. It's they it's get Oregon at home. They get Oregon at home, and they have both Where's USC the... and and Washington on the road. Okay, Washington's a tough place to play. But we're all, we're all Utes going forward, yeah. We're all Utes. Yes, we are. All, we are all Utes going forward. Absolutely. I, and I and I typically am. We we are typically a Utes podcast. I'd say. Yeah, 
if you guys had to pick right now between Oregon and Washington, because I think we're probably all on the same page that like USC, Caleb Williams could be as good as he is as advertised, which I think he is. They're they're not a legit defense. They're not a contending defense. If you guys feel otherwise, jump in. But if not, Oregon or Washington, if you had to pick one to win the Pac-12, who do you think has the edge there? I like Washington. They gun it around the yard. I mean, it's just fun. Like Penix, they have like four receivers. Their fourth receiver would be our best probably. And we'll get to our receiving core in a bit, but – I mean, it's just fun watching teams sling it around at night. Uh, I think Oregon has a slightly better defense, but, I mean, that's going to be a fun game in the end of the year. Ian, I think that's such a tough question because I like both teams a lot. I think they're built very similarly. Like, I I love – most of all, I love both defenses, right? Like, Mm -hmm. yes, obviously they sling it around the yard, and that shouldn't shouldn't go unnoticed. But, like, what Oregon did to Colorado, especially after watching what Colorado did to USC, right, like that – the the whole Colorado thing is overhyped and kind of done with done with it, but like that's that's got to mean something, right? Hold them to six versus you know versus USC holding them to forty one. So uh, I I think it's a such such a tough question. I'd be excited to have either of them. I'm ex- I hope both of them are around. I, I hope one of them loses, but I it would be I wouldn't have I wouldn't mind if either wound up in the playoff race. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, you know, I, I think we've touched on a lot of the main themes around the country. I will say one team I was impressed by, and I know Kansas, you know, I, I didn't know this when I placed a wager on Kansas, is that they didn't have Jalen Daniels, Big 12 preseason player of the year, going into this game. I had no clue that was Did anybody game. know that? Did anybody no, know that? Yeah, it was uh, announced, that nope. was announced briefly before kickoff. That was not on. Yeah. Was, back, was it back pain? Something like that. Like, yeah. We didn't have yeah, volume Texas. on the bars, but that was disappointing. But I, Texas, they look good. They're a pretty them. complete team. Like, yeah, I don't see a lot of holes. I, I feel like I'm probably a little biased from like Texas of old of like the last Sam Ellinger years, basically. But yeah. like, I think I said in my picks, like I kind of expected them to let up a little bit. But like, the score was almost closer than what the game was, and it wasn't close in score too. Like yeah. Kansas had like one or two big plays, but other than that, they had nothing going, and Texas was rolling on offense. Yeah, I mean, it was also – I think it was a six-point game in the third quarter, but even then, you didn't feel like mm-hmm. Kansas. Like, Kansas, one of their two touchdowns was off a fumble that went right into their guy's hands and ran it in. That was that was a funny play. It was a funny <laughs> play, and it was the type of play that sometimes helps you win a game, sometimes changes the season. In that situation, though, like, over 60 minutes, Texas is a better football team, and I think we're going to see that this week, too. I don't mean to change gears if this was going to be brought up later, but um, – mm-hmm. I think it's going to be hard for Oklahoma to stick around on defense after seeing Texas run the ball the way they did, after seeing Ewers over the last few weeks throw the ball the way he does. I don't Do know. Believe- I, I think Texas is, you know, that complete team that we were just saying. I think it's a good question, though, Chippy. Um, Do we believe in Oklahoma's defense? Like, Brent Venables is a defensive coach. He is. He was brought in to change stuff on that side of the ball. And we now see at USC that Lincoln Riley clearly didn't give a crap about the defense side of the ball. Still doesn't. Do we believe in Oklahoma's defense? Because they have been playing unbelievably well, but have not played any top competition. Exactly. That's that's why there's the question mark there. Like, you believe in a Venables defense always. I've been trained throughout my whole life to never believe in an Oklahoma defense. I mean, these games are also always shootouts in the Red River rivalry, so we don't know. And I think that's a very good question. Um, I think the other question we're going to see is 
Oklahoma can throw the crap out of the football. Mm-hmm. Can they run the ball? Will they be one-dimensional? Will that affect anything? Because it's always, you know, it's always fun, like I just said, to see what a Big 12 matchup looks like in terms of how the defenses scheme the offenses, um, usually unsuccessfully. But I think there's a lot of good storylines there too. Because, you know, if Oklahoma somehow comes out, shows up, wins that football game, they're all of a sudden favorites to go yeah. get the playoff out yeah. of the Big 12. People are, people are chatting about Texas as like, deservedly the number one mm-hmm. overall team in the country, mm-hmm. which I don't know if I'm there yet. But people also I say mean, that about against Mich- about Michigan too. What the hell is Michigan? I, I'm I'm, I guess I'm, I'm Texas top three for sure. Yeah, I think so. Be- because of resume, though, like because yeah. they've earned it up to this point. Bowling Green, rolled in Georgia Tech. We got a shout out. Yeah, I don't even know yeah. Bowling Green's mascot. The the, the <laughs> machine. What are Falcons? They? They're the, they're Falcons. The Falcons. Yeah, the Falcons. Bowling Green. Yeah. Bowling Green got my ass this week. I've been running like <laughs> twelve to twenty leg, minus a thousand parlays. Yeah, that was irresponsible. That was irresponsible. Um, and I, I hadn't lost one yet, and lost on Georgia Tech this week. Yeah. So shout out Bowling Green. Shout out the Eagles for bringing me back yeah. down to earth there. Speaking speaking of that, would that make them? Would that make? Would that make Georgia Tech your fraud of the week? They're certainly up there. I've been trying <laughs> to think of a few of them, but they're they're the one that certainly has me the most annoyed. Uh, yeah, this is, yeah, D, is there anything else you want to get to before fraud of the week? I, I think we might as well just jump in the fraud of the week. Yeah. All right. Uh, Andrew, want to kick us off. Yeah, I mean, Georgia Tech, we already touched on them. It was, uh, it was an ill-advised bet at minus 1,800. I really knew nothing about them other than the number. <laughs> um, other than that, I think a fraud of the week is Spencer Rattler. Whoa. I kind of had a feeling that South Carolina would come in and compete in that football game, and they didn't at all. And Rattler threw for something like 165 yards and a pick, no touchdowns. They never really had a shot. I thought. Did you see what was happening, though, in the stands, though, at Tennessee? Did you see all, all that was happening? I saw one thing that happened. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's tough to win in that environment, you know, when – 60 year old Rocky top dudes are getting dragged out with their pants off. Like, oh, you know, that's that, that was that, that was that, guy yeah. Up. You know, that the, the volunteers are ready to rumble. <laughs> it, I, had, I had a co worker, I had a co worker who did his bachelor party just going to the Vols game this weekend. That's and fun. He, he is shot. Uh, he logged <laughs> on to like a whole company meeting and had to speak and just sounded terrible. <laughs> like, oh, I'm gonna give Spencer Rattler a break because of that, but that's a good shout, Chip. On the second day, on the second day of October. Zayback says that, that Spencer Rattler, Spencer Rattler is a fraud. <laughs> we'll see. You might, have, um, we might have to hold. Line. My, my fraud, I think EMA frauds, but my fraud this week is definitely going to be ACC officiating. Um, oh, I listen. They got. I guess they ultimately got the call right, so it's tough to be like that angry about this. But I said it. To, I said it to to D and D while it was happening. You cannot review that punt. Uh, other like every punt in the in all of eternity that goes out of bounds would that have to be reviewed, right? How how are you gonna how are you gonna? It, it, I actually was thinking about this before it happened. Like, how does the ref even know where the ball goes out, right? I guess they have a trained eye for it now. They've they know how to make a rough estimation, but never once in in ever in my life of watching football have you seen a punt the where a punt went out of bounds be reviewed. 
Um, so uh, ACC officials on top of the freaking targeting on Patella. What a joke. Oh, my what, God. What a sick joke. And now he's out for the oh, first half this week. Buzzing that, down, buzzing that down without a flag is beyond me. Like, beyond. Beyond. So yeah, I was going to use that. Going. Yeah, I, I was using that as a segue into like our game recap, but like I was going to choose AC, like, but like I guess it's like Alrighty. spearing whatever, but thrill him right in the thigh. Like, it's the thigh, like, it's not like a that's not necessarily like a dangerous football play. That's kind of like what the yeah. ref should watch tape on Jordan Patello and be like, all right, yeah, theoretically, it's to protect Patello, is like why it's there, but it's so it's so stupid. It's so bad that he that that it's like a kid with limited games in his career now has to miss four quarters of it. it it's yeah. like the dumbest rule in, in almost all of sports. Um, my fraud, real quick before we go into it, um, I got two. I'm gonna go with Dave Aranda. Uh, I know they came back and won against UCF, but like Baylor looks like a bad program at the moment. Um, and from being a playoff contender two years ago to just this. Little, little fraud alert there. Second is like kicking recruits and whatever happened um, in Rally um, or Durham, wherever we were in Durham on Saturday. A um, couple of you guys know my roommate Max. Uh, Max is an incredible athlete, played soccer in college, really getting into golf, bombs the ball, but like 300 yards the wrong direction. That's mm -hmm. how I feel when I watch Spencer Schrader kick a ball. I don't care how far you can kick it if it's going the wrong way. You're just you're just useless at this point. And I want to have words. With not even him, the coaching staff. Yeah. I agree. You look at NFL kickers, anything under like 45 yards, you can tell they're taking 50% off yeah, going why is directly for accuracy. No one has ever told this guy that he doesn't have to swing as hard as he possibly can at the ball. <laughs> he could be every an extra time, point and time. he's sending it out of the stadium. It's insane. Has he ever heard of a pitching wedge? It's like tempo, just, brother. Yeah, just swing your leg through it. Try to hit it straight. Like everyone's gonna miss some sometimes, but like it going sixty-five yards and missing by ten yards isn't impressing anyone. I I think we gotta have a word with the soccer team. Knowing what Brandon Aubrey's doing with the Cowboys right now, that I was thinking exactly the same thing. Exactly the same <laughs> thing. And it's oh, how straight. I would long. I know he's he missed one a couple weeks ago, but like I just long for Blake Groupie right now because we've missed multiple things that he was just like automatic on. I don't yeah. know how that dude's an NFL we, starting kicker right now, but do we not have like a, a close yard specialist? Like, sure, Schrader, take the fifty yard plus. Can we not? Do we not have a dude that's automatic from within thirty? We don't 40? have we don't have a restriction on travel roster either. So <laughs> let's 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 get him a spot. Let's get him a spot in the travel party. Let's get somebody from soccer who can kick a thirty five yarder. Because man, like it, it's it's really 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 bad. It's only it's only they, he was only outdone by how bad the Duke kicker was this week, which is incredible yeah. in its own right. But it really, I think I said this last week, but it really makes me yearn yearn for the days of Justin Ewan and Kyle Brenza when yeah. it was not you didn't think about it. Not thinking about the kicking game is the best kind of kicking game. Hundred mm -hmm. percent. I mean, okay. You get you guys took my first and second, so we might as well just get into it. It's ACC ref and Spencer Schrader. So getting into it, this was a weird game. I, I think straight up, it's a game that we feel like we should have won by three scores, and a game that we should have lost all in one. Um, kind of a tale of two things. Obviously, there's things that hamstrung us on offense. I think the defense played for the most part really well. Pass rush came alive. 
secondary is good. You had a first round projected quarterback under 50%. You're going to win 90% of game or 99% of games you play against those guys. Um, I mean, like it, it, it was one of those games where you were just lucky to get out of there with a win, but you're left wanting more, especially, you know, when a lot of the flaws weren't necessarily physical on the field, they were mental. Yeah. I, I think for me, I'll start with the positive because that's where I like that's where I like to start. And there's plenty of positive to take away from this game. Uh, two two guys we have to highlight, and I would like everybody to get a good a good piece on this is Mitchell Evans, who has arrived as a tight end. He is like that's two it's in our two biggest games of the year. He has been nails catching the football uh, and been a nice safety blanket for for Hartman. So that's one. And two is Howard Cross, man. Little undersized, but boy, did he have a freaking day! 13, 13 tackles, two forced fumbles. Uh, like I think he had a sack. Like man, that was one of the better across all of football that I've watched. That was one of the better games I've seen a interior defensive lineman have. That was outstanding from Howard Cross. Yeah, good for him, man. Like we didn't really give yeah. him the credit he probably earned and deserved. Yeah. Um, like he's just been head down working, and he is undersized. But, like, if he keeps playing like that, you got to take a look at him at the next level, honestly, at this point. That was incredible. Yeah. Chippy, what'd you see? Ah, uh, man. So, you know, we started off with a lot of positives. We saw Marcus Freeman go a little off script, run the fake punt on the first drive, which I loved. Um, you like seeing a guy that feels like the team has gotten a little bit vanilla the last couple of weeks. Maybe that's because we're missing a little bit of personnel on offense. Uh, maybe we, we, you know, could be any number of reasons, but I like seeing that to start. I like the defense. I saw some stats. I don't remember them, and I will not be recalling them right now, but it was uh, Leonard's worst game with Duke. It was their lowest level of success rate in the last two years. Um, just a ton of positives. They had like 12 drives or something and scored two touchdowns. And you know There was some missed field goals, but it was a lot of good stops um, to go along with the offense not really moving the ball and making the defense come out a lot. Um, on the negative side, there were two main negatives I saw, uh, both on offense. One, I'm pretty sure we had four receptions from wideouts. I know our two of our wideouts are hurt, but you cannot be having four receptions from your wide receivers and win ranked football games. Um, just kind of scary to see. It's good that we're going to get Will James back this week, but I didn't like that. And then the second thing is that we had a fourth down on every single drive we had which was shocking to me. Are you serious? Um, so the Every big touchdown, the fake mm -hmm. punt touchdown, and the last touchdown was fourth down. Um, yeah. So, you know, maybe we kneeled one out before the half or something that I'm not remembering. But anytime we were trying, we had fourth down. Um, and not that that's not sustainable. It's not that surprising, but it's not it's not sustainable. Like, you could go yeah. play USC. You just you cannot beat them like that. Undefeated Louisville on the road at night, going to struggle like that. So – yeah, I guess even though we won a, a tough ranked road game, my two main takeaways that were that were right in front of my face for those last two and and definitely things we have to improve on. Yeah. Yeah, we I can think, go ahead, D. I think looking at the play calling, it was just so vanilla. Like I get you have three receivers out, but Notre Dame isn't lacking for a lack of athletes in the backfield. And if there's one thing, mm -hmm. you know, Tobias what Merriweather, I know, you know, there's a lot to be desired on the receiving guy. That guy can block. And, yeah. you know, whether it's SMA, we saw utilize the two-back sets a lot against Ohio State with a lot of success. One thing we don't do on offense, or I don't think we do nearly a good enough job of, is get athletes in space, whether it's a Jadarian Price, 
Chris Tyree has had a reception for over 20 yards in every game so far, but he's only had one in each of those games. Like we scheme him open for one play, then never really look his way again. And, you know, I know he's probably not as polished as a receiver, but he's the most veteran guy in that room. I'd love to see him get more touches or, you know, one thing that, you know, you look at all these explosive NFL offenses and college offenses is we were really confused by Duke's scheme. You know, we didn't know if they were playing man, playing zone, run a little motion pre-snap. I know we were doing a little shifting with the tight ends and stuff. Like run a guy, jet him across the formation, figure out if he's getting followed or if they're bumping over for zone. It just helps. You have a six-year quarterback. He's a guy who can make an adjustment at the line once he sees that. Um, you know, I think you know, our play calling is just too vanilla. We tried to go up the middle too much. Duke was expecting that, you know, with the personnel we had on the field. Got stuff too much. I don't know. I, I just look and, you know, looking at the defenses we play in the next two, few weeks, Louisville's not a great defense. USC is a bottom half power five defense, if not worse. You know, we need to open it up a little bit. Get guys running downfield across the formation, get people in space and make the defense make plays. We, we just made it too easy on Duke. Yeah. I'm going to go a little more big picture. Um, I don't think that game overall changed what we know about Notre Dame as a team. I thought like it accentuated the issues that we knew were already there. Um, but like, as you guys said, like I think the bizarre game, missing your wideouts, the refs having a D minus game. Um, the environment was actually pretty crazy there. Like college football is hard. You're just happy to win that one. Um, I don't think it's a crazy red flag. Um, you got to win games like that. We made plays. We shouldn't even have been in a position to lose in the first place. In, in my opinion, um, we had a lot of self-inflicted wounds, but what we do know is it, like Gerard Parker's not good enough. He's not, I was going to get, I was going to get to that. And Ian, I agree. Like there's, this is not weird things happen in college football. It's a weird sport that we all mm-hmm. fell in love with and Duke bought it. Um, that where they're, they're so well coached. The they're, they're a good team. Yeah, they're in the right back, spots. Yeah. Every, Wade every Wackos bought it, and, and the Duke players themselves bought it. Like that, that defensive yeah. line was super, super impressive, man. Like I, I really give them a lot, a lot of credit. But to me, also their running I, back, Estime Junior. I was not familiar with your oh, game. Oh, the, the senior seven. Yeah, he can. <laughs> was not familiar with your game. Um, but I, for me, Ian, it was a bit of those bigger picture themes that you also mentioned that, that are kind of worrying me uh, a bit. And one of them was Parker's play calling D like you said is very vanilla. I know the things are uh you're a little hamstrung by the injuries, you know, no pun intended, but um it just feels like this is now consecutive weeks where where you weren't you didn't have injury issues last week, right? And I guess you guess you played a, a good defense last week too, but I felt like the play calling was just just a, a little bit off. And then the other thing too is I, I mean I only got through half a rewatch today. We're recording a day early than we usually do, but I only got through the first half of the rewatch. But really underwhelmed with everybody not named Joe Walt on the offensive line. Mm. Felt like we took a step forward against Ohio State, and then took a step backwards uh, against uh, against Duke. And the between the penalties up front, and I heard I saw something today about the Duke. Duke may have been in. Tim, um, like replicating the snap count, like they may have been mm-hmm. clapping as well or making sounds as well. That and that was throwing Carell off. I think Carell's played really well all all, all year. I'll give him a pass because we got out alive. But like that's that, that's another ACC ref issue, there, right? That's simulation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I wouldn't be shocked if that was just ignored <laughs> by the by the official standing between the linebackers. But um, really, was not impressed with Blake Fisher. His feet look awful. 
Um, and Coogan is slower than dog shit, man. He he, he got to stop pulling him. He's somebody who moves in straight lines better than he moves horizontally. So stop no, like, Learn your lesson, though. Learn your yeah. lesson. It hasn't yeah. worked in a while. What's I, up with um, like shifting the tight end to like basically like an H back position and like them going in through the the A gap, like being a fullback lead blocker? We were running into dudes behind the line of scrimmage. Is it that, happened. That, it, is that new? It, it, it's it's a timing thing a little bit too, and I think that might have been a Corell thing. That might have been it. Yeah, one may lead to the other with Corell being all off on the snap on the snap all night. Um, but you know, it, it, but I will say too, Dia. I like the idea of having two backs back there. I think it makes you really dynamic and often like I think our backs can block. So I like having two backs. If that's something we need to do more, I'm I'm not opposed. But yeah, just Ian to, to your original point, just some things that were just a little off and, and I'm a little the whole offensive line thing does not have me feeling all that good. If you get right this week again, if you get everybody on the same page, great. But you know, no secret here. I think I, I can speak for at least me and D. Ian, I think you were there too. Louisville's not going to be quiet. You know, we were, mm-hmm. I was there in person Labor Day in 2019, mm-hmm. and no, it was, was it was not, raucous. Man. It was raucous. It, it, it's a weird stadium where it is angled up at such a like extreme angle. Like I, I've never sat in an upper deck of a stadium like that where I like felt like if I leaned forward too much, I would fall onto the field. Barkley Center, but, but other than that, no. Yeah. <laughs> It, like yeah, it gets loud there. This is the first game they've sold out since we played there last time. Yeah, but the ACC, but they're they're not. We'll get into it. They're not that great of a football team. So that the environment will be an issue. Was was uh was Duke louder than Notre Dame last week? Like, it I, no, looked like Pete Sampson. Looked Pete Sampson said it wasn't. I mean, I'm sure it was raucous and loud, but like I, I saw multiple Notre Dame writers say like it was close, but like not quite. Also, like, okay, they did a good no, job. No dames, super loud stadium. Right. Two things I want to point out is like the wideout issue. Both back to Mitch Evans, he's incredible. But my dude was gassed in the yeah. fourth quarter. <laughs> there was that one snap where like Hartman was getting hit and like kind of lofted it up to him, and like first quarter he's taking that and like twenty five yard gain. But he my, he was gassed. Um, he's a vacuum though. It, it's great yeah. to see that goes back to like Eli Raritan coming back. Where does he slide in? Does he play over Stace? I think we use all three. I, I think that I think all three get used. I, I think we'll split out Raritan a little more. I don't think he's going to be an inline guy, but I think like if nothing else, don't we have no reason to play Mitchell Evans every offensive snap and have him yeah. gas in the fourth quarter. Um, and I, I think one more quick thing is like we we got to talk about Sam Hartman on the last drive. That's why you recruit a guy like. Hold me. on, hold on. I want to um, end with that because okay. that'll be ending up that'll okay. be ending on a positive note. I have one more negative here that I forgot to mention. In my rewatch, I noticed that Tobias Merriweather had at least three drops, and one was worse than the next. The opening drive was a t- was a tough catch, but he had it in his hands. The next, the next, he got it hit again. He, basically, all three passes hit him in the hands, and and he dropped all three. Man, you're a great athlete, pretty good route runner. Beat the beat the Duke corners three times. Put put your two hands together and close your hands on the ball, man. I mean, yeah. You just not dy- not dynamic as pass catcher. It's extremely frustrating. The fourth quarter OPI. If you're gonna push off, catch the damn ball. Second of all, you can't you can't have to take that. That's almost a game killer. I mean, what, it should have been a game killer. You know, you put it at first and twenty five. That's tough. I mean, I go back to like 
Like at one point in the game, I was like, he's gonna have an incredible Mac career. Like, hope he does well. <laughs> you did, Western Michigan. You did say that, and I was, I thought it was hilarious. But, but like, then I see him just absolutely locked in on a long estimate run, like working yeah. down the field. So I do like to see the positives from that. But like, rule number one of being a wide receiver is you gotta receive the ball, and he's struggling with that part. Oh, and you know, one more positive if we're gonna flip the script one more time before we end. Um, the discussion here, but I really, really like what I'm seeing out of Jeremiah Love. Yep. Definitely. I think that he's he's part of that two-back set, and I know this isn't a hot take, but I can see him dog. being one of the best backs in the country. He's averaging nine yards a carry last game. They give him, like, six carries, but every time he touches the ball, it looks like he's the fastest person on the field. It's incredible it, watching you, him run, especially behind Estime, who you just can't tackle. Um, yeah, I just I think it's a great combination to have, and we got to continue utilizing both. Between him and the young tight ends and Flores and Greathouse, I'm real like for the first time in a long time. I'm very very excited about what you have from a youth standpoint on the out on at the skill positions. Sorry, Deke. Let's go back to Hartman. No, no I'll get there too. Like building off that level, I think Rico Flores has been playing oh, this game. Great. He played a little more than he should have. Like you yeah. know, he had to drop. Um, but you know, he's smart. He drew that pass interference on the last drive. Correct. That was him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and picked it up, had another catch on that drive. You know, you know, he's probably a year away from being someone you can truly rely on, but, you know, these snaps, like, it's huge for his development. It was a he, great catch against Ohio State, too, man. Yeah, he yeah. looks like a veteran. He looks like yeah. a veteran. I was going to say, we didn't really comment that on it, like, the Ohio State. Like, that's a big-time throw from Sam Hartman. We're talking about the slant route and the touchdown, but, like, yeah, it's a big-time throw and a big-time route, and, like, he looks very comfortable and experienced out there. He doesn't look like a chicken with his head cut off when he's playing, which a lot of freshman wide receivers do. Um, no. Colsey was hurt, yeah? Yeah, he, he got his knee scoped last week. Like we so he's we would have seen more of him, right? Yes, mm-hmm. I think so. Oh, yeah. I hope so. And, I mean, all right. So let's talk about number 10. Not his best game. I mean, obviously not a ton he could do in terms of pushing it downfield, but you recruit a guy – you know, there's no quarterback going back to maybe Brady Quinn, probably not even Jimmy Clausen that you want with the ball to take you 95 yards to win the game on the road against a ranked team when, you know, you have no momentum, none in that second half, you know. And, you know, maybe Ian Book takes off a little sooner on that fourth and 16. That's not Hartman's game, but he was getting that first down. You saw him lower his shoulder. There's another time he where was- he didn't get the first down where he lowered his shoulder into guy. I think that the chirps that he got a in that Ohio State game, got to him more. And I love yeah. seeing the fire. I think he was about to go Elway too. If he was short, I think he knew he yep. got it. But like he was, he was ready to leave the ground. Yeah, he was. Uh, I think mess from from our from our standpoint, for, or from his standpoint, I think message received on not pick up the first down. Right, like it's yeah. just not. He knows it's he knows he knows it's not excusable and it won't be an issue. But he's also on a mission to make sure it's not an issue again the rest of the season, which is good. Because it won't be the last time he's scrambling for a third or fourth down. And shout out Drew Audrick Bryan. for getting in the end zone. You got to go to the shout end out, zone. Shout out, Audrick. Yeah. Two things to say about that. I thought, like, we talked about Elko's scheme and, like, all the crap Duke throws you on third down. I thought our backs did a really good job pass protecting and picking up blitzes. Like, because there were a couple guys that were coming pretty free, and Aspey did a good job holding them off like, just enough to let Harmon get at least something off. Um, and then the other thing I was going to say is, Back to Spencer Schrader, like coaching wise, we weren't even trying to score. We weren't that trying was to score. insane to me. 
What are you doing? You have a minute and a half and you have Audrey Gastamay. Why are we not trying to get at least 20 more yards for this dude who's shown us that he can't even hit from 10? That was, that was an insane thing to say after the game to me. And I love Freeman. I really do. Like, I listened to his presser again today and, like, I know why everybody loves this guy. Let's just, yeah, whatever. But, man, I don't, I strongly, strongly disagree with playing, playing for a field goal after picking up the fourth down. Like yeah. he, they, the, the, the play was run an inside zone or whatever it was to have SMA go down after two or three yards in the middle of the field. Insane to me after what we've seen from Garrett Schrader or from Spencer Schrader. If we had, if we had, if Schrader was hitting every one of his field goals or if he had missed one this year, totally get it. Totally yeah. get it. But the fact that you think you can rely on that foot right now is insane to me. It would have been like a 50 yard or two. Yeah. Like, yeah, he can hit from there, but he can miss from 30. And the whole go down at the one, like so many don't things go, down go wrong on way. a snap, yeah, on a kick, on a hold, it just doesn't make any sense to me. And I think Freeman had a couple of those. Like I know when uh, I think it was Tyree dope for that punt for no reason whatsoever. Yeah, Freeman was like, "Oh, I told him to go do something like that," um, and then he said, "Oh, I learned my lesson. I should sometimes just shut up." Um, and you know, there's something to be said about that. Like let the guys play the way they've been trained to play, the way that you coach them. Um, and yeah, thank God Estime got in because if our season came down to a Schrader field goal, who knows? I mean, we're having a very good about it now. Yeah. And Duke also had to pass the ball down the field on that last drive, which they had not been able to do all game. No, no. Um, they would have had to get fifty percent of their total passing yards the whole game on that last drive. So I got I two more. Shut it down. I got player callouts. If we I got one too. So um, you got a good one or a bad one, Slev? I got a good one. All right, I'll take the bad one then. Um, I I think Maris Leofo needs glasses. Ooh, I, I thought he played pretty damn well. <laughs> yeah, he, sometimes yeah, I was going to say he played well. I, he was flying around the field, but he can't tackle. Like he had, I gave him one in the back, but like sometimes he's swinging at ghosts. I understand. Yeah, I, like, he's so, so athletic, but he's a lot of times not where he needs to be and misses a lot of tackles, in my opinion. I agree. I think he likes to find the first offensive lineman and hit him as hard as he can. Yeah. Like, I don't know if that's what they tell him to do, like go take away a blocker, but like sometimes the running back's right there and he goes for the alignment and he's just moving at a thousand miles an hour. Yeah. I do think I'll, he had a better game than Ohio State, but he's still, he's way too talented to, to not be a force in the center of that field. Does, does he have any eligibility left? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Because he, one or he two snapped years. his Achilles, didn't he? I think just one. Yeah. He'll need he was it. here in 19. He'll need it for sure. Played in 20, point. then yeah. missed 21. He should stay for a double senior day. But anyways, um, I thought he played better this week. And what was encouraging to me with the games that you have in the future, specifically talking about USC, is I thought he spied really well. Like, I think his, did, run, his, his well. run fits aren't great. And sometimes his, I'm, like, iffy on his pass coverage. However, he is he – is, a he is a factory made spy for a quarterback who moves, and I thought he covered. He got sideline to sideline really well against Riley Leonard, and I think Caleb was probably a better overall athlete than Riley Leonard. But yeah, we saw everybody saw the dunks from Riley Leonard. You know, he can he can wiggle too, so I just really uh, really like that. Um, I just really like that Marist uh, was able to move sideline to sideline like that as a spy. That was what I found most impressive about the game. That's what stood out to me, and I don't disagree that the mistake. No, that, that's a really good a point. a bad taste in my mouth, but. That's a really good point. Um, on, under, I guess, 
talked about. Um, but Riley Leonard probably has a different game if Marist isn't there, not there, keeping an eye on him. Yeah. One more shout out, Xavier Watts, get a pick. He's learning to play safety. And oh, yeah, that's what like it, it's about. nice having a playmaker on the back end. That's something we've been missing all year. Um, I wish he was in the position DJ Brown was eight days ago, but okay. Uh, I right. love that. I love that sword celebration too. Or at our yeah. buckle seat belt to tuck the sword away, but I'm obsessed with it. I'm gonna hit double tomorrow night in softball and do like second base. <laughs> <laughs> Thought Riley Mills played well too. Mills did play mm-hmm. well. He get, he got less credit because he didn't have as many tackles as That's Cross, awesome. but I think he had eight or nine, maybe ten. Um, the two mm-hmm. of them combined for a ton of tackles. They, the interior of the D line looked really good. Also, on the point of losing Vitello for this for the first half of this game, and we this could be our transition in, into Louisville for everybody's done with Duke, but yeah, um, there's I'm not happy about it, and I'd rather have Vitello out there. However, everything I've seen from Josh Burnham this year, I've loved. Yeah. Uh, I think he had a really big stop on, on third down against Ohio State. I think he's really athletic. I think he's pretty twitchy. I think he's got good eyes. I'm excited to see Josh Burnham play against Louisville. It'll be a mix of him and Junior. Julia Halamaka. Julia Halamaka. Thank Let's you. Let's go, D. a boy, wow. D. Yeah. But it'll be him and Junior to take that backup Viper spot while Batello's out. And I'm excited to see 40 play because I think he can. I think he's a good. He's a dog. It yeah. sucks. It sucks that Ryan Leonard got hurt in the last play of the game. Yeah. Like we, we need him to come back quickly and start racking up wins for Duke, but mm-hmm. um, they're a good team. Yeah. Good news for him is the undersized guy fell on his ankle. Yeah. That would gross. Yeah. Going back to Burnham and touching on Louisville biz, we faced Jack Plummer for the third year in a row. Given us a little bit of trouble when we played yeah. against his teams. Um, not necessarily because of anything he did, but um, what, what I like about turning Burnham, getting him on the field is, you know, his responsibility is not going to be as complex as it was against facing a Riley Leonard, a guy who can get outside the pocket. Jack Plummer's he's pretty much a statue. Um, and Jeff Brown's offense, you know, Louisville has some playmakers. They like to get a ball quick, but you can turn him loose. Like th- this is a game, which is why the spread's somewhat confusing. And I know Duke probably outplayed what the final tally ended up being in terms of the spread. But um, this is a game where Ohio State, where you can play a more traditional defense, let Burnham, Jean-Baptiste pin their ears back a little more. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm excited to see what the defense looks like this week because I don't know how much of this we've gotten, right? Like Tennessee State had a dynamic quarterback. Navy was running the triple option. You played you played McCord, who I think has you know has more wheels than Plummer as well. Um, it'll be interesting to see it, with a bit of a lesser opponent than what Ohio State was what what you can what they'll do against a pocket passer. Um, and I'll be interested to see what they do with the back seven too, man. Like I, I would love to see more Jack Kaiser this week. He's got a nose for freaking football. Let him and, – and Golden's been doing a really good job, especially on that Xavier Watts pick. Golden's been doing a great job of scheming uh, scheming and, and tricking the quarterback. Um, let's continue to do that. And, you know, that would be my bold prediction. Maybe Kaiser gets another one this weekend. Love it. Yeah. I, uh, <clears throat> I'm very interested to see how we play against the run this week because Louisville has a very good running back. And Jawar Jordan, I believe, and he started off the season on fire, and NC State completely shut him down last week. Yeah, um, and I know Marcus Freeman was saying that NC State isn't really a defense you can copy; it's very complex and very unique. Um, but I'm sure there's some little tidbits that 
he and Al can pick up. Um, and it, I feel like if we can bottle up the running game, the, the secondary has just been very good. And, yeah, we've only mm-hmm. had one chance against a pocket passer. But, you know, if we can bottle up the running game, get a few free rushes at the QB, throw in some of those confusing looks, I, I do think that we're more well fit to face a pocket passer. Um, and, you know, McCord was a freshman. McCord came in. He looked very mature. He threw the ball very well. Um, a lot of openings over the middle, but he didn't really beat us deep. And I think Louisville might have to hit some splash plays in order to stay in this game here. Um, so I'm interested to see how at first, I know this is very cliche, but how at first we stop the run and, you know, turn them into that one dimensional team that has to go directly into the teeth of our or strength of our defense. Yeah. Uh, so just on this point, we're kind of belaboring, I'm, I'm belaboring at this point, but when did McCord struggle, right? It's when he didn't have his feet set, right? And I think that's when Jack Plummer struggles as well. I watched the entirety, but not, not on purpose in, in preparation for this just because we didn't go out on Friday night. But uh, I watched the entire U, uh, NC State-Louisville game, and Plummer looked – as soon as he had to move, he looked awful. He threw one of the worst interceptions I've seen thrown this year coming back over the middle down in the red zone. Oh boy, dude! Like if you're if you can even get a little bit of pressure with four, the back seven has to be like licking licking their lips, mm-hmm. looking looking for a late ball over the middle. Because as soon as he has to move, he's got no zip on the ball. He loses on accuracy. So just get him get him moving. If you can get pressure with four, we're gonna have a lot of success. I think. Yeah, I think for me, like we've played a couple legit games, taking Navy and taking East Tennessee or Tennessee State out of it. Um, I want to see us start fast. Like, I don't want them to get any type of momentum. Like, let's get out the gates, pressure him, have a good script on offense to start the game. Like, can we dial up six or seven auto plays, marches down the field, and start fast and make Jack, Jack Palmer start to force it? Because the more he forces it, the more the back end can eat and then just take the crowd out of the game. Um, Chip, you asked a good question. Um, over text earlier that I want to throw back to you about the night games. Oh, yeah. So I brought up Marcus Freeman had a, a little bit of a reaction when he was told that this was going to be a night game. Um, it seemed like he wasn't necessarily happy about it. Maybe he was just surprised. But I'm very interested in the dynamic of these teams that are like upstart, undefeated, a lot of momentum. You know, their biggest game so far of the year could end up being their biggest game of the season overall. Making these night games, packing their stadium, like you guys said before, it's going to be really loud. I'm interested in the discussion around how that affects the psyche of our players, how that affects the game plan. You know, it's going to be loud. We saw our O-line struggle uh, with snap counts and false starts. Um, And then, you know, if we think it makes a material impact on how the home team comes out of the gates, you know, maybe they're too excited, maybe they're, you know, just well-prepared, maybe they're feeding off the crowd. Um, I think it's a very interesting situation that we get into that a lot of other teams don't end up in. Yeah, I, I can take this one first. And I think I, I think last week actually plays well for us here because we know kind of the things we'll see. We'll, we've played now in a tough road game atmosphere. Um, you know, obviously it's Duke, but once again, that's the biggest home game they've had in the last hundred plus years. Like that was the biggest home game in Duke football history. And we went in there and won. It wasn't clean, but now we know. Now there's probably additional checks to one getting the plays in, 
different variances to the snap count that you have another week to rep in practice. It's, you know, coming into that atmosphere. NC State, their crowd was going insane. We saw them feeding off the crowd. Their sideline was going insane. How the rain delay probably very much helped us there. Um, but, you know, we've gone into, you know, two of these ACC road game environments where we're the biggest game on the schedule to that point, um, undefeated teams. And, you, you know, it's, it's another week of reps. Now, how do I love how Marcus has handled it? No, but, you know, it's another week to just, you know, get some checks in. And I think I think it's important to, you know, that first drive, whoever has the ball first, like get a three and out or score. Maybe not three and out, but stop them, make them punt, and then score. Mm-hmm. For me, for me, I'll, I'll take it next. I think that if it affects, I think it has minor impacts on the game plan itself, right? And like the actual how the game plays out. I think with everything D said is correct. I like that for for the most part. I think Freeman's done a good job of like during of, of learning from mistakes, not necessarily right in game per se, but more so you give him you give him a week or you give him a few weeks, like he'll learn. So this, you know, he said. Uh, for Duke week, they had pra- they had crowd noise at practice. Obviously, they didn't have enough. That means this week to me, like they'll have more than they need, right? And mm-hmm. that that gives us time to put in the checks. That gives us time to go silent count, right? Like those, there are minor tweaks that will be made this week that I think. And, and honestly, truth be told, outside of like the false outside of the false starts to the snap infractions, we were really good early. Like we took a ten nothing lead into the half, right? Like there's something to be said about like we didn't, you know, we may have got out adjusted at halftime, but like. We prepared well for a rough, or we came out well for a rough, for a rough uh, night environment. I think the defense travels and, and and that helps, right? Defense continues to travel, we'll we'll be fine. For me, I think it has a more more of a major impact on the week itself as a whole. And Freeman touched on this in his press conference today, but like, think about if you you know if you can get on the if you can get on the plane back to South Bend at 9 p.m. or 8 p.m and land back in South Bend at 10 and everybody's in their beds by midnight versus getting back to South Bend at 3 a.m. and get everybody's back in their beds by 4 a.m., 5 a.m. It really has it has a bit of a material difference on the sleep schedule for the rest of the week, right? Um, and he talked about this, you know, moving moving times for lift. Obviously, that can be time for practice, but, like, individualizing lift times for make sure people get rest. And then, obviously, you know, we're, we're coming close. All four of us are students there, right? it's not the first two weeks of school anymore, right? We're now in like a full school work week, right? You may be at midterms, you may not be at midterms, but uh, yeah. So I think, I think, it, I think these, these late kicks are really challenging challenges. It, it, it's fine if you can deal with them once at once in a while, but this is four straight now where you're um, you're four straight where you're, you're really behind the eight ball starting Sunday. Right. Um, and you got to find ways to make up for it during the week. So that would be my take on it. Yeah. And there's no, check, there's no check. shot. Yeah, Jack Doyle asked this question. We did a little Q and A. Uh, some of the questions, not necessarily pertaining to the game, but Jack asked, you know, uh, just going back to the penalties, you know, what we can do to, to prepare, particularly on the pre-snap issues. I think we touched on it. Uh, sorry, Jack, for not putting your question in earlier, but you know, it's it's pre-snap stuff. Luckily, it is fixable. A lot of our penalties weren't physical; they were mental. It's another week to work on the mental side of things, which I think is important. To, do you we gonna answer any of the other questions? Because if not, I could just take courts offline or real quick. Um, Korth, it, it's my sides that really get me. Yes, Pat Korth asked, "Where is Slevin most ticklish?" I, take, a, si- taking, a side tickle crumbles the rig. It's 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 the tummy for sure, but taking me head on will not have an effect. You'll have to go to the side. 
then Tom, Tommy Smith also asked Dono girlfriend guest appearance. Uh, we were watching the game together uh, at a bar in New York, and she asked me what fourth down meant. So um, she's, got some, she's got some more learning to do. She'll be at USC. That'll be a big teaching moment. We'll get does the T Swift. Does the T Swift aspect help get her there? Or she she not, did. Not she did watch some of the game last night and was asking me more questions. Okay, so. I I like this is some some deep saber metrics, but like I had a little watch party in my apartment, and like the ladies are a little more tuned in. When when the offense is on the field for Sammy Sammy Hartman, they sure um, are. I, I'm not going to name any names, but uh, there's certain certainly a lot more talk than you know when Drew Pine was out there last year. So, just yeah. some analytics for the people of the world. I'll give you more analytics. My roommate's in that boat too. <laughs> Claire Durkin. <clears throat> yeah. Um, okay, but back to the game. Good little sidebar there. I, I think ultimately, and is there, if there's anything else you can say, I think we can probably segue this kind of into our score predictions. Um, is that stylistically, I think this is a much better matchup than Duke. Duke's a team that wants that's built very similar to Notre Dame. Wants to grind it out, you know, punch out, scheme you different ways. Louisville, they're very reliant. You know, Andrew, I thought you brought up a really good point earlier. Stop the run game. They're almost solely reliant on big plays mishaps on defense guys being out of position and that's somewhere we've been really strong on defense you know outside of maybe travion henderson or uh, yeah it was henderson who slipped to tackle 160 yards that's louisville doesn't have a guy like that um and other than that you know i think we've been really good about stopping the back and breaking plays and on defense they give up a lot of them you think about nc state or you know other basically every other game except for the last two where we've played top 10 defenses we've been able to manufacture those big 30 40 yard chunk plays and get down the field and score 40 points so i i, I think you know it might look similar to that nc state game i think nc state has a much better defense in terms of chunk 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 away than hit a big one and be, because i think we're much better suited i might as well just parlay into this in my score prediction um, I think we do get to 40. I don't think this Louisville defense has a good team or is you know, as equipped as last couple of weeks. I think we get a defensive score. It's one thing we haven't seen this week. And I think we win 40 to 23. Late touchdown for them. Love, love the defensive score coming into the mix. Um, if I'm going prediction, I'm going Jaden Greathouse defining game. I think he comes back. I think he have a good, can have a big role uh this week i want to get off and running early i think our offense is honestly still better than it showed up to this point like an opportunity for the offensive line to get right and they'll have another opportunity against usc even in a big game to get right then and then by week and then some other big games but like i want to see them dominate let sam hartman just sit there and pick this defense apart um i say we get to the 42 mark and we give up 17 from them Big cover. Uh, yeah. I got us in a big cover as well. Um, I'd like I'd like for this to be the week that the offense completely connects. Um, but the, what I've seen from a play calling standpoint the last two weeks against some real defenses has been a hair concerning. So until I'm proven otherwise, we're going to give the Irish 35, five touchdowns here. Um, I will never pick a score that doesn't involve a straight touchdown number because I don't believe in Schrader. Um, and then I'll say that, that defense holds them to 14 uh, with a late score. I think our defense stays really salty, man. Golden's Golden's got that got that defense humming. Um, and I know we didn't love the, the cover the you know the drop eight against Ohio State, but outside of that, man, he's 
he's called some gems, man. He's uh, they're they're home in a bit. So uh, 35-14 for me. Irish cover, Irish win, and get home for USC. Love it, love it. And I did forget to say this before, but shout out Duke's defensive coordinator for uh, rushing three on fourth and sixteen. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh, that's yeah. been the most great call thing I've ever yeah. seen. Oh yeah. After we did it, doing it right back to them, it's like you didn't learn a single thing watching that last game. So that made me very happy. Moving into this game, I'm not going to say I'm pessimistic. I still think we cover. Um, I do think that us having wide receivers back will make us more two-dimensional. Louisville has a good run defense. I don't think that means much. I think we're going to be able to move it very well. Um, my concern is finishing drives. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, you know, on the road, if we're going to be able to go down and, and punch it in every time. Uh, I think we score four touchdowns. I think we win the game 28-17. I don't think that they get to 20. I would be surprised if Louisville got to 20. And I think that's the only way we really lose is if the def- the offense completely stalls. I think the defense will do their job. I really like the defensive touchdown shot. I definitely think we'll, uh, we'll turn over their quarterback a couple times. Um, do think we cover. I do think it's a bit sloppy again. But, again, a ranked road win at night um, is, is always a positive way to uh, <clears throat> have your week go, especially going into USC. Uh, really any win gives us a lot of momentum. But I'm excited to see these guys play against a, a quarterback who can't run. I'm excited to have the wide receivers back. Um, and, yeah, hopefully we really start fast this week and get on the board quick and really silence that crowd. One other thing is I think this is a little personal revenge game for Sammy. He had six turnovers in one quarter against Louisville last year. Yeah. Dude, I was he awesome has- to watch. Those highlights are great. My dude's <laughs> slinging it. <laughs> yeah, like it, it, he's just playing so much smarter. Like that was the only thing they could do last year was just sling it. Like they're in the right spots, and like, but like six turners is hilarious considering he has won through six games um, this year. So you know that that's how this Louisville team will beat you. They, um, we would need to make a lot of mistakes, like in terms of like the physical mistakes, which this team has avoided. It's been a lot more mental, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Um, but yeah, avoid the mistakes. And once again, this is a game we should win going away. You know, sharpen the iron a little more before matchup against USC. All right, Tom, what do we got? All right, we got four more games in the slate and then locked for the fellas. Um, we got Oak, Ian. Ian, I believe you'll be in attendance. Is that right? I am. This is that's uh, so exciting, man. I, that's I, awesome. picked up, I picked up my Texas overalls from the dry cleaners today. Uh, Wonderful. You even got them cleaned. Yeah, that was an expensive dry clean. I don't know if they knew how to handle those. Um, <laughs> But I will be. I'm so excited. Like, Notre Dame aside, it's been awesome to see both these teams win and both these teams look good. Um, I will be at the Cotton Bowl on Saturday. Uh, I've never been. I hear it's an incredible experience. Uh, don't even ask for my pick, but hook them, baby. Okay. And then lose right. after that. But this week, hook them. For, for, those, for those of you who are not at uh, – for those of you who will not be in attendance at the Cotton Bowl, the game is noon Eastern on ABC – uh, Ian, I'll be looking for you in the crowd in those overalls. Um, we have heard Look great hard. things. About, uh, we have heard great things about this game before Sean went last year, uh, or two years ago now, uh, whenever it was, and, and you just looked like an unbelievable day at the state fair. So I'm very jealous. But uh, I, while while I'm talking, I'll take Texas as well. Uh, to me, I just I, until this is another thing until proven otherwise. Man, they look really physical on both lines of scrimmage. Um, they are now they're now also two dimensional that they have great great running back or a great quarterback in Quinn Ewers and, and the receivers, but 
their running backs are turning it on too. They obviously don't have a B. John Robinson, but they got they got some they got a stable themselves um, of of backs back there. Just looking for one to really take a lead spot. But yeah, I'll, I'll take Texas here. Um, I'm still not bought it, bought in on Oklahoma. Oklahoma have to prove it to me before before I buy in. Yeah, I'm I'm on the same page here. I uh, I just don't see I just don't see Oklahoma competing in all facets of the game. I wouldn't be surprised if this is a game late into the fourth quarter. Uh, we've seen Texas take a while to pull away. Um, but like you said, Brooks has been fantastic running the ball. Ewers has been fantastic. I mean, I would love to see an old school shootout between Ewers and Dylan Gabriel. I think that would be fantastic. Um, I just think Texas has more to offer than OU in this one. I'm going to go a little contrarian here. I think you know, far and away the best quarterback – this Texas defense has played is Dylan Gabriel. They, they really haven't played anyone close, especially with Jalen Daniels being out last week for Kansas. I, I think he, you know, he brings an Elvin, not one. Can he sling the ball down the field, but he can move the chains with his legs too. You know, they really haven't like Jalen Milrow slash I don't Buckner didn't play against them, but like, you know, he, he wasn't able to pass the ball at all. And I think Gabriel's going to come out and sling it. I think this game ultimately comes down to a field goal either side. And I think Oklahoma sneaks within that number. Called the, I think it's like this game is always so so much closer than it should be. So six is I think six is a big number for Texas to cover. It's six and a half now too. So just we're picking it at six and a half. Anybody wants to change? I'm not changing. I got I got six on DraftKings. I don't know if that's all right. We'll we'll keep the six. We'll keep. I've been. I'll take. I'll take. I'll take six and a half. Yeah, there you go. We're gonna leave six and a half off there. I don't think it materially changes my my pick. Um. All right, we'll move on here. Uh, another good one here. I'm excited about this one. Also in the noon slate, so we'll have to have two TVs going. But LSU is traveling to Columbia, Missouri uh, to take on the Alpha Nerd, Eli Drickowitz, and the Missouri Tigers. I, uh, I'm i really excited about this one. LSU, LSU is six-and-a-half-point favorites on the road. Uh, who you guys got here? Go ahead, D. No, I'll take it. How are they still ranked? First. How are they still ranked? I don't they get it. They shouldn't be. It's, it's ridiculous. Bad. Like, they're bad. And, like, Brian Kelly, the rest of that, like, locker room convinced me that they're not going to mail it in. Well, Missouri has so much more to play for right now. Um, kind of getting disrespected. Six and a half point dogs at home. Absolutely giving the alpha nerd um, against LSU. D? Yeah, um, this LSU team, very talented, hard to predict. I don't know why we saw a little bounce back for them against Mississippi State when they bounced back. I, I think this is just a weird game. They're very talented on offense. I see it being a weird game. I mean, we saw them put up, what, 48 points. I, I just don't know. I think Missouri's good. I don't know if they're going to be able to hang in there, and I think LSU has a score late to, to put them up and cover. And I, that pains me to say it's just what my gut's telling me right now. I do think – I do think Ole Miss like had no interest really like in playing stopping LSU. Yeah, like they just wanted to outscore them. I think Missouri will be able to control this a little bit more um, yeah. to get provide a little more backing to my pick. Um, so for me, for me, I'm going to take I'm going to take Missouri here. Um, I love them as as home dogs. They covered against Kansas State as well as home dogs, which is good. I got to watch uh, the extended highlight of that one and. Um, 
their defense is really good. And, and most of all here, I think the pick for me comes down to Brady Cook's dog. I think he's a real good quarterback. He looks, he looked really sharp. And Luther, Luther Burden may be the best receiver in the SEC, not named Brock, Brock Bowers. Um, and we talked about it earlier. LSU's secondary keeps getting cooked. They're both young and inexperienced and a bunch of transfers. Um, and I think that Brady Cook and Luther Burden may just go bananas uh, on on Saturday uh, in Columbia. So I'll take I'll take the Missouri Tigers. Got tiger on Tiger crime here today. <laughs> yeah, I think this is going to be a really exciting football game. I think it's going to be high scoring. I think it's going to be very similar to LSU's game last week. I have LSU winning this game. I have them winning it and covering. Again, this is such a toss-up for me. Missouri's been winning games. They've been grinding out real close ones against opponents that I'm not really sure how good they are. Um, it's been a lot of close football games. They've showed the ability to win. They've showed the grit. LSU, on the other hand, has been dropping football games. I think that they are the more talented team top to bottom. I think that they're going to be pretty upset coming off of that loss, and although they're going to be exhausted, um, you know, I just I think the better football team I think the better team wins this game. Although, you know, I would really, really love to see Missouri go take down Brian Kelly, send him into another press conference. That that would be fun. Um, all right, we'll keep moving here. Uh, I think this is this is unfortunate news, but the next game we're picking is Washington State at UCLA. Number thirteen, Washington State is three and a half point dogs uh, at yeah. home in this game. Uh, which is interesting. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, three. No, I'm sorry. Three and a half point favorites. UCLA is uh, here. Um, Washington State is the road team. They'll be. They'll be the underdogs. Um, game is at 3 p.m. Unfortunately for everybody here, that game's on the Pac-12 network, which we don't oh, get here in Boston. To, they know how to market their product. That's they why are they're so big. freaking bad at this. But um, <laughs> if anybody wants to jump in, get yeah, UCLA three and a half point home favorites. From the Rose Bowl. So, a um, couple things here. Sneaky good, not a, like a great slate, but sneaky really good betting slate. Like I, I love <laughs> what I'm looking at. Uh, can can you bet in Dallas and Texas? Do we know that? Definitely, absolutely, actually, definitely. That's a silly question. There's no I'm way. Sure you Texas can find a way. That. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I because of what I've said about the Pac-12 all along, that they're going to cannibalize themselves. I'm going to go with UCLA. I, I like Dante Moore at home, Chip Kelly. I think he's settled in. It'll be a crowd of about 45,000 in the Rose Bowl. Not, not a raucous environment by any means, but, you know, he's been impressive. The UCLA team in general, yeah, I think they've done pretty well outside of going in the Salt Lake City, which we all know is just a weird place to play. I, I, I think they cover um, at home. I'd love to see Cam Ward in Notre Dame uniform next year, though. That would be the coolest. Love that. That would be the coolest. I would love that. Um, and for that reason, I've taken Cam Ward. Uh, I like I like Cam Ward a lot as a quarterback. I think I think Dante Moore is going to be really good, and I hope he stays at UCLA. And I would love for him. Like, I, I'm looking forward to Thanksgiving's in the future, Thanksgiving weekends in the future when UCLA is beating wheels off USC, and Dante Moore is the reason. But for now, for the time being, I think Cam Ward's my guy this weekend. I think he's the better of the two quarterbacks. He takes care of the ball really well. And I really like Jason Dickert, man. Uh, there's, there's a lot. Or sorry, Jake Dickert is his name. Uh, but he's the head coach of Washington State, and um, 
he's he's almost doing that Dan Lanning thing where he's he's been he's a really really good motivator. He's got his guys taking that us against the world mentality. But you know, if people are going to keep doubting us, that's fine. Um, so if they're going to be if they're going to be the ranked team and they're going to go in as road dogs, uh, I'm cool with that. I'll take Washington State. Yeah, I'm going to go with Washington State as well here. Flew under the radar a couple weeks ago. They had a, a dog fight with Oregon State, who I think is a very good football team. Um, High-scoring football game. They outscored DJ, who we all have seen multiple times, is a very good quarterback. Again, I think this is a very good game. I think it's going to be very close. We saw UCLA go into Utah and play a low-scoring dog fight. Um, we've seen Washington State scoring a lot of points this year. I think it's going to be a clash of styles. Um, but I think Washington State has a lot to play for here. They're playing against these guys leaving the conference. Um, and I, I think they have that extra chip on their shoulder, and they're not going to go down easy. Love it. Love it. Um, all right, last game we will pick as we'll pick all together before we move to locks. Alabama goes to College Station and takes on Texas A&M. This game's at 3.30 on CBS. Everybody should be able to get eyes on it. Um, Alabama, two-and-a-half-point road favorites. Who you guys got here? I, I just find – I think Saban has this team pissed off. I think their defense is still very, very good. And I, I, I think A&M, you know, Wigman's not playing. I know the backup was his name, Johnson. He, he's Zach played Johnson. pretty is well. Zach, no, I'm sorry. No, is it Zach Johnson? Yeah, I I know he's the lefty, but like um look, I, I think this is a game like you know, we talked about as Alabama done. They're not their backs are against the wall, and when Saban has a team with his backs against the wall, it's hard to cover. Like three points, like I, I think this way, you know, even if it's a three point win, I see it being more than that. You know, like this this team's gonna be motivated. Milrow has played a lot better of late. So I'll go with them. Um, I'm going to ride with you, D, for a lot of the reasons you just said. I think Saban is a much better coach than Jimbo. No Connor Wegman. We know that A&M offense can get pretty complicated because Jimbo just doesn't know how to dumb it down. Um, and then also, last time Bama went there, they lost. And there's I just don't see it happening again. Um, so I'm going to go for a lot of the same reasons with Bama to cover. I think yeah, it's just Kyle Field is – you got it. Yeah, no, okay. <laughs> Yeah, Kyle Field is a is a tough place to play. Um, I'm not excited to have to go there. Uh, I don't know if it's next year or the year after. Um, like if we're talking about Louisville being loud, we're talking about Duke being loud. Kyle Field is is outrageous. Um, it's a tough place to play. That being said, I've been going a lot with football teams that I think are just the better team, and I think that was just better. Uh, the defense has been in tune. They gave up 10 points to an Ole Miss team that we just saw play an unstoppable game of offense. Um, I don't know if Milrow can throw the football. I think Saban is on that same wavelength and has him uh, schemed up pretty good in terms of running it, throwing passes that are high percentage. Uh, I think they're pretty comfortable moving the ball with their offensive identity. And Saban, no matter who his QB has been, whether it's a first-round draft pick or a guy who's going to go be a used car salesman, Saban gets him ready to play. Um, and I think they're going to put up some points. I think it's going to be tough for a and to, to hang with them, and I, I think Bama's going to cover that. You guys covered it all, Bama. Man, uh, defense, defense coach, defensive coaching here is going to is going to do it for me. Also, the the backup quarterback's name is Max Johnson. Not Zach Johnson. There you go. 
There you go. Zach Johnson also made my shit list. He was close to being my frog. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> we could do that. Or we could do a whole another hour and a half on that. But yep, yeah, uh, for sure. Right. <laughs> we'll move on. It's complete for Bama. Uh, we'll move on to locks. Anybody got something? Their confidence? Want to say with their chest? I like Ian's mine. got something. <laughs> I got like got... a couple. <laughs> yeah. Do you? Do what I, you got? I have one that I. Really like it, and it helps Notre Dame too. We have to be Buckeyes for the rest yeah, of the I year. Yeah, I thought about this one. And you know, you see Kyle McCord. It, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say he came into his own against Notre Dame, but he did go into Notre Dame Stadium and ultimately win the game, especially throwing the ball downfield on the final drive. Um, Maryland's been a good team this year. Um, surprised some people, but I, I think we kind of see the vintage Ohio State. You know, just blowing teams up for 70, 80 yard touchdowns. I think they don't have nearly the personnel to hang with Harrison, Buka, Fleming, all those guys. Um, I think we see a vintage, you know, they have the week to prepare for this. They're coming off a bye. And I, I think, you know, they still feel a little disrespected. That might be our 86 year old uh, ex coach's fault. We don't, and claim I think, we don't claim I don't that. think Ryan Day has calmed down a bit. And I think you see them try to run up the score, and I think they cover 19 and a half against Maryland. I was my lock was gonna be the over there, 57, because I actually think Maryland can get on the board. Um, but I agree with everything you said. So that's not what I'm gonna be. I'm I'm gonna go elsewhere then. Um, and it's it's gonna be a hold your nose. It's gross. Oh, it's really gross. Um, I'm gonna go with the. Jayhawks to bounce back. And it's, I'm going to go with the Jayhawks to bounce back and they cover two and a half at home against UCF. UCF without John Reese Plumley, devastating loss, devastating blown lead uh, against Baylor last week. They're good at the bounce house. Don't trust them on the road. I'm hope this is, I hope Jalen Daniels can play. Um, Jaden, <laughs> whatever, one of the Daniels, but uh, damn. So hold your nose and take the Jayhawks. Hawks, baby. You said two and a half at home, right? It's two and a half at home. All right, building the graphic as we talk here. Um, so I'm going to do something similar to Ian. Uh, plug my nose here and, and hope for the best. I am going to the Hudson River uh, and West Point, oh, New York. I'm yeah. taking the Army Black Knights minus, minus three at home against Boston College. I think this Boston College team is historically bad. They got pushed to the brink by Holy Cross at home. Uh, I think it'll be a nice fall, fall October Saturday on the Hudson River in the Hudson Valley in New York. Um, and for the and for that reason, I'll take the Army Black Knights here minus three. More of a fade BC pick than it is a Black Knights pick, but I'm I'm good with it. I like that pick a lot. And shout out Army's campus and stadium, by the way. They do a football game very well. On they do. Nice- crisp October Saturday. Um, I think that's a very good pick. My pick goes against every fiber of my being, but I just think that they're so good that there's no point in going against them. Michigan minus 20 and a half against Minnesota. This could be a trap number or it could be another 31 to three, 31 to seven football game. I think that they're just really good. They're really well coached. Minnesota got trounced by UNC, who's also a very good football team. But I think Michigan's very good. I think that they're kind of taking it to heart that they don't play anyone right now, and they're trying to beat the crap out of everyone, try and get the resume in shape for uh, a little bit of a decent slate. 
later in the season. Um, they haven't given me any reason not to take a 20 and a half line yet against the team that's severely overmatched. So unfortunately I think we're going to see another steam rolling this weekend. would love to be wrong, but I can get you 19 and a half. Yes, I can. I can, I, I can as well. I can as well. We're getting, we're getting him 19 and a half. No matter we'll what. take 19 and a half. Yeah, we'll, we'll absolutely take that. <laughs> All right, one, of our, one of our guests has to get on the board at some point. Yeah. This yeah, well, I, think Doyle, I, think, I think Doyle got on the board. It was just, uh, oh, yeah, that was that uh, was slimy, yeah. though. Slime, yeah. slimy got on the board, but yeah, guess fellas. I will say, Ian, Ian, and Donald, kudos to you guys. You guys were three We're and cooking. one on locks. This, what? What's our, yeah, own you guys are cooking. Too. You guys are cooking. You guys are three and one on locks and 15, eight and one overall on the board i came close to getting back to 500 last week for hopefully we do it this week but you guys you guys um, are helmet you guys are helmet good for you guys update on uh you can't bet in texas so i'm gonna be in the lab a little bit this week yeah before the trip yeah, get yeah. the lines early that's what lunch Absolutely. breaks are for chip All thanks right. for joining us yeah, yeah thanks thank for you guys back. for having me this was yeah. a blast keep the uh keep the mailbag questions coming yeah well yeah, do, absolutely do we, do we keep throwing them up yeah, I'll put that up every week. All right, great. All right, fellas. All right, fellas. Great pod. Go Irish. See you guys soon. Go Irish.